Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Hi, good afternoon. Um, I'm Jenny Frummer. I co-host Leadership Matters with Dr. G, which is about informing leaders and inspiring solutions. And I really want to welcome you here this afternoon. Um, before we get going, I would like to introduce Valerie Wright, our co-host um, for today, and also the co-producer of the show, Valerie's with Wright Ideas Unlimited. And before I introduce the other guest, Valerie, would you let listeners know if they have any questions, how to email or call in? Absolutely. Our number for questions is one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. And our email address is drg at innovations.org. And that's dr.g at innovations, I-N-N-O-V-I-S-I-O-N-S dot org. Great. Thanks, Valerie. Thank you. So the episode tonight or this afternoon that we're talking about is what's age got to do with it. And I'd like to introduce our guest, Brian Carroll. Brian is the uh, president and CEO of Secret Harbor, and he has been with Secret Harbor as the CEO since 1994, Um, has quite an industrial background in terms of having served four years as the clinical director of the agency. He has worked in the field of children's mental health since 1978, spending his initial career in the juvenile justice system at Echo Glen Children's Center. Um, He actually hails, if you will, from um, Washington State, and I'm going to ask him in a few minutes to kind of talk more about himself. But one of the reasons I really wanted Brian to be a guest on the show for this uh, afternoon is it's really about how organizations and leaders within organizations um, sometimes take risks and calculated risks and really have the courage to, um, within their organizations, make some changes and transformations. And so, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jenny. Really happy to be here. I'm really pleased that you are here with us today. Um, and maybe in this segment, uh, what I'd really like for you to do is talk about your work more specifically and also maybe describe your organization and what you're most proud about in terms of being a leader within your nonprofit. Sure. Um, I actually had the, the benefit of uh, working in the public sector for the first 13 years of my career. Um, in juvenile corrections, but also focusing on um, children's mental health issues in juvenile corrections, because a lot of kids um, got sent to jail, um, not because they were criminals, but because they had mental health issues that weren't able to be treated in the community. So um, really had an opportunity to be out in front of the, uh, the whole mental health and juvenile justice um, issue in Washington. Um, which got much bigger after I left. So I guess that's the sign of success is after you leave and something uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> something continues to grow and, and do well. Um, but when I was at uh, Echo Glen, I um, had the opportunity on occasion to refer um, young men as they were leaving the institution um, to this agency called Secret Harbor, which is located in the San Juan Islands about 70 miles north of Seattle. Um, and Secret Harbor is a really a very, very um, unique organization in that the uh, residential center was actually located on one of the uh, San Juan Islands that was only accessible by private boat. So um, it was a very primitive kind of setting. We had 150 acres there and Basically, it was like trying to run a small city as well as an agency. You had to generate our own electricity. You had to run our own sewer systems, water systems, manage boats back and forth and things. So we really had a national reputation of being uh, an incredibly unique organization. Um, Sounds really fascinating. I guess elopement wasn't much of an issue. Elopement wasn't much of an issue except running around this 28,000-acre island. Um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of lord of the flies occasionally. But... Um, 
it was a, a really wonderful um, place to um, to deal with kids. Um, but as an agency, we're actually celebrating our 65th anniversary this year. Wow. And the agency basically only did one thing for 50 years, and that was um, do residential treatment, intensive residential treatment for um, severely emotionally disturbed or impacted um, teenage boys and do it in that very remote setting. So, you know, as time progressed, we really looked to... Um, start to diversify the agency so that we could do more things but also mainly provide more services to the population we were dealing with. So in 1998, um, we opened a division called Foster Care Resources where we um, licensed foster homes, provide intensive training for um, foster parents, and basically in the residential programming, um, the focus was to... uh, you know, get boys stable so they could move to a less secure environment. And the foster care program, for many of them, became that less secure program. Uh, but also the foster care was um, was and is um, now the biggest part of our agency. And what it really is focused on is um, finding permanent situations or permanent solutions for children so that they um, can either be adopted or returned with their um, biological families to... Um, to be successful. So we've also added an in-home component. So I, I, think the, I think the thing that I'm most proud of as leader of our, of our organization is that we really have pushed ourselves to not just do um, the one thing that we've done forever, which is residential care. We're actually now pushing ourselves out of, um, out of our child welfare comfort zone a bit. But that we always have tried to uh, to really be out in front of um, the issues that are going on and really trying to, um, you know, provide top-quality services to um, people in very difficult situations and, and do so in a, in a really successful manner. And in terms of pushing yourself, uh, one of the things that has really impressed me about you and I've had the chance to meet with some of your board members and some of your staff as well is the topic for tonight and that is what's what's age got to do with it Brian what has age got to do with it what has age got to do with it well um, as you well know um, I guess I need to um, back up a little bit and just kind of talk about um, my personal situation, and that is um, my parents uh, lived about four hours away from uh, me and my family and two and a half to four and a half hours away from um, any of my siblings. And about six years ago, um, they experienced some pretty significant health problems, and my mother ended up in the hospital um, diagnosed with congestive heart failure. same week that my father was diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's disease. Um, They were in their early 80s, and, um, you know, fortunately I have three siblings, and we all really like each other, so we... um, Which is always a help. Which is a big help, yes, it really is. Um, So basically the the hospital staff, as my parents um, were getting ready to, or as my mother was getting ready to be discharged, um, told us that we we needed to, you know, provide some extra support for them. So basically for the next 29 months, um, one of us four kids would go down and spend from Friday afternoon till Sunday night um, at my parents' house um, shopping, getting their medications, you know, helping clean up and just basically doing any kind of thing that they needed um, to uh, be a bit more secure in things. And and we did that very successfully for that period of time. And then very much, you know, like happens with um, so many older adults is um, health events occur. So my mother had... uh, took a bad fall and ended up being hospitalized again and at that point the discharge plan was really asking for more significant support for them in their home um, you know once again several hours away from any of any of their children 
So we actually um, discovered a private duty company. We didn't know anything about those. Um, and it turned out to be a real blessing for our family. We were able to uh, bring in some professional caregivers for a few hours a day to um, provide support to them and make sure everybody was safe and sound. And um, it, what that also did was just really give an opportunity for the um, kids in my family, my siblings and I, to you know become children again instead of the full-time caregivers and be able to visit our parents as visit and spend social time with them and stuff as opposed to having to to work and, and be caregiving the whole time when we visit them. So it actually became a fairly easy idea for me, um, you know, managing a small nonprofit. Our budget's about $2.5 million. To look at, you know, this had been such a godsend to my family, um, it really gave me an opportunity to start thinking about and start talking with my board of directors about you know, maybe our agency, maybe Secret Harbor should look at expanding our mission and think about serving older adults um, because it obviously was a really viable and, and wonderful service that uh, that my family experienced. So thought maybe my agency should do the same thing. So we, as right. you know, embarked on that uh, about right. two and a half years ago. And if I can interrupt you, um, it looks like we're going to take a break. I hear the music in the background. Um, so when we come back, I'd really like for us to talk a little bit more about what that transition has been like. Um, and certainly during a time when there are really shifting tides with children's services, what it means for an organization to go through that kind of process. So thank you for listening to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Good afternoon and welcome back to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. I'm Jenny Fruma, co-host with Dr. G, 
and I bring you greetings from Alfred Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach, where I function as the COO. Um, today on the phone with us is Valerie Wright, uh, our co-producer from Wright Ideas Unlimited, and also our special guest, Brian Carroll, who is the president and CEO of Secret Harbor since 1994. And uh, just before the break, Brian, you were talking about Secret Harbor and its really long history in providing, um, quote, child welfare services. And then you had a personal experience um, dealing with your own aging parents and what that brought to light for you in terms of an idea you had that you brought to the board about getting into providing services to older adults and their families. And I wonder if we could jump from that to what those kinds of conversations might have been like and what some of the challenges have been like transforming a child welfare, quote, organization into one that also is providing services to kind of the continuum of life. Um, to the other side of of uh, taking care of families. Well, it was um, it was a time where there was some very creative dialogue um, between um, some of my uh, key administrators and myself, and then ultimately um, with our board of directors. Um, and you know, Mike, like any. Um, section of the population, I think, that you, you put in one room to um, talk at any given time, you're going to find um, people who are struggling to help their aging parents and, you know, people in the sandwich generation or people who are um, having their parents move in with them and things, um, plus the really obvious um, demographic shift that... Um, population in this country is is getting older and uh, uh, my agency actually also is uh, adjacent to a um, a town which is a very very popular um, retirement community so to actually introduce the notion of what about senior services what about thinking about providing um, services to older adults um, because they are part of families, and we have served children and families for 65 years. So it was kind of a natural discussion in the very beginning, but um, it was uh, a challenging discussion as well because there were issues to consider um, around the whole notion of mission and mission drift. Um, How did you resolve that? Would adult services be um, far away from you know, what we had done for such a long time. How did you resolve that? Well, actually, I was I was kind of surprised by um, some of the reactions of um, other CEOs in my peer network who um, thought we were kind of nuts, actually, for um, branching off into an area that really didn't have anything to do with our mission. But what we did is uh, have a retreat with our board and really spend some time... Um, talking about this whole notion and, and we'd done research on the demographics in the area and things and ultimately it turned out that we only had to change like three words in our entire mission statement to uh, encompass serving older adults and I guess it was five words because it, we just included children, families and individuals of all ages and then where we talk about um, saving children and dealing with safety and security, um, we just added the word independence in there as well. And, you know, the mission statement read like it had, had always been that way. How would you describe your leadership role during that time? Um, I think it was, um, well, it was an interesting role because it was um, kind of my idea and my concept from the beginning. Um there wasn't a lot of great opposition on our board's part to um, consider this, and I think they actually felt that it was a, a natural um, transition for us. But, you know, the other point that I haven't talked about is that, you know, all of our child welfare services um, we provide to um, clients from the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services. So that's 
it's all public welfare children and families that we deal with. And as you probably know, that's a that's a funding challenge. Um, whenever the state is is your only customer or primary customer, because at least in Washington, they reimburse us about eighty cents on the dollar for um, for what it costs to provide care, especially high quality care to, to children and families. So, so as an agency, we also were really looking for and exploring ideas um, around how we could diversify and diversify our business model as well as our service model. So that really um, became a big part of the discussion about getting into uh, working with older adults as well. So it sounds like really being prepared for you, you certainly, I would imagine, were quite influential and quite persuasive in your own personal experience in how you approached this, but you also sounding like really prepared in terms of studying the demographics and knowing who was in your community and looking at the diversification as an option in this instant. Yes, and that was um, was really required. Um, uh, another aspect of this that be- became just um, critically important and crucial in this whole process is we also were able to turn to our um, our National Trade Association, the Alliance for Children and Families, who at the same time was going. Um, out on an initiative to encourage member agencies, member private nonprofit social service agencies, to consider uh, working with older adults and consider expanding their mission to working with older adults uh, through a grant-funded project they had called the New Age of Aging. So that provided a lot of opportunity for us to um, to get some training and get some real core information around the whole notion of. Um, Serving older adults, and you know, really gave us an opportunity to um, to get some seed money, quite frankly, to uh, help get us going, and uh, also help to uh, get us associated with others in the field that uh, we're doing the same kind of work. Right. So um, it also sounds like taking that personal experience, but then building on that to really find some expertise and learn the knowledge and skills of transforming an organization to work with a different population. Yeah, I think that was really critical. Um, and it also, you know, the association with the Alliance and, and um, getting the information we were getting was, was really a, a, a big credibility boost to our board in, uh, in considering um, making this kind of change because it, it, there certainly was and is um, risk associated with um, going into a, a different um, service population than what you've dealt with in the past. And um, we certainly have been faced with many challenges in doing that. But I think I think the agency was, uh, was really ready um, for a change like this. And it actually um, has been an interesting um, and positive transition, but, but not one that hasn't provided some significant challenges as well. Mm-hmm. Would you feel comfortable sharing what some of those challenges are? And and uh, we may hear some music in the background, which would be the time for us to take a break, and then we'll come back and follow up with that and also with some questions that, Valerie, I think you have uh, yes. from some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the big challenges um, in this whole thing was just differing opinions, especially amongst um, some folks on our board around... Um, you know how we should position ourselves in in expanding into serving older adults. Uh, we actually came up with a um, a name different than Secret Harbor because Secret Harbor was the name of the body of water where the residential center was. So our senior services are is called Companions and Care Senior Services, and it strictly is a uh, private pay or long term insurance. Um, model of reimbursement, and there were, you know, opinions about how to approach the business model of this, whether or not um, it was a good idea to uh, run Companions and Care Senior Services like an independent company, not associated with Secret Harbor, because that might be very confusing to people, um, 
was also some concern about whether or not uh, moving into serving older adults would impact our uh, donor base, our contribution base to people that had traditionally served the agency as Which a proud welfare organization and uh, maybe weren't interested in mm-hmm. working with or having their money go towards older adults. So there was a, a real... Um, it was a very interesting time around just trying to decide how to position ourselves in that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what we found out and really um, in, endorse and believe now is that we were wrong about some of those things. And what we found out was that the community and especially um, uh, some of the clients that we have and things like that were thrilled with the fact that we were part of um, Companions and Care Senior Services was part of a nonprofit organization. Thrilled with are, the fact are you the that, only nonprofit providing this type of service in your community? Uh, there's a couple others, but they're not as uh, large as as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what we hadn't thought about and understood in retrospect was the 65-year history of providing really high-quality care to children and families was, you know, a real boost to the senior care programming because it was, you know, it really helped us be credible. The other thing that people seem to like is the fact that, you know, any proceeds that that we experience as a result of the senior care um, private pay side of business is going to go back to cover... um, some of the, the children's support services. of the child welfare services. So well, especially uh, if you're only being paid 80 cents on the dollar, you're still having to raise 20 cents. That's right. And being able to um, to do that through services and through um, you know, a business model that hopefully will sustain the agency long term is is something that people really, really seem to resonate with folks quite positively, too. Mm-hmm. I just think it, it's really so timely that um, as organizations find themselves, particularly those who are funded through state dollars, really find themselves with all the changes that are occurring and limited resources through the state, uh, being creative, taking initiative. And I really often think about the risk involved and the courage that it takes as a leader to kind of, you know, embark on a strategic process that is, as you've said, such an unfamiliar place to go that um, I would imagine that's really quite challenging. Valerie, any comments? I agree. I think it's um, we're in a time when diversification and organizations really have to find ways to fund the work they do and and be very creative in that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a break and be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, good afternoon. Welcome back to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Jenny Fruma. I co-host the show with Dr. G. And today we have with us our co-producer um, from Right Ideas Unlimited, Valerie Wright, and also our featured guest, Brian Carroll, who is the president and CEO of Secret Harbor. And um, this is usually the segment when we take questions from our listeners um, and we've been talking about what what's age got to do with it, which I know is kind of a really strange topic title for this episode, but we've really been talking about a child welfare organization that has transformed itself in some ways to also reach out and provide services um, not funded by the state to older adults and their families. And so Valerie... Um, I know that you have some questions. You told me that during, told us that during the break. So, yes, um, really appreciate both you and Brian being with me on the show today. Thank you both. Thank you, Jenny. Enjoy being a part of the program. Um, this question comes from Gwendolyn in Nevada. It says, "What do you think creates resilience in nonprofit organizations that will allow them to survive in lean and difficult economic times?" Wow, is that a loaded question. Gwendolyn, it's a great question. Um, who, Brian, you want to give that a shot in terms of sustainability and where that courage comes from? Well, I think that um, the whole issue of resilience is um, is very relevant and very topical um, because the other aspect of diversifying and moving into um, new populations or, or new markets, I guess, from a business standpoint, is that, you know, how do you, um, how do you measure your success in that? I mean, how do you know, um, you know, when the investment that you're putting into this new venture um, is going to pay off or going to support itself or... Um, in our case, the other issue of resilience was um, we really had to, um, you know, gain the clinical expertise um, in working with a, a geriatric population because that wasn't something that um, that we knew how to do. So making sure that we ultimately had a, um, a program director and leader in the um, senior industry that, that really, really knew the work and really could do that. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you quite candidly that um, our agency is still struggling with the notion of, um, you know, what are the uh, fiscal expectations around this new venture as far as, um, you know, when it will be able to, you know, produce enough revenue to really help with the long-term sustainability of the agency. And that's, you know, that's not something that happens in a year or 18 months. So, um I think the whole notion of really having to be resilient and um, at the same time have a really good um, business plan and be able to, um, you know, really look at the fiscal side of things and, and be able to evaluate the the program outcomes and the human outcomes, um, but also have to compare them with the uh, business goals and outcomes that you're trying to achieve through the uh, through the mm. diversification. Yeah, and and. I would add to that that, you know, when many of us are human service organizations in one shape, form, or another, and we're constantly working with individuals and or families, and we talk about resilience a lot, right? Um, and one of the things that we know about being resilient is that research um, has shown, um, and I don't have it in front of me, but that really people or entities can be more resilient when they really surround themselves or have the capacity to be have people be or other organizations be really supportive. And so having a supportive board, you know, having staff who are on board, um, being able to establish those working relationships with 
other organizations within the community, I think all help you as an organization be become more resilient mm-hmm. because starting a new venture like this really is the ups and downs and it's trying to see around the next corner but we don't all have periscopic eyes yet. No, that's for sure. Right. And I think also um, what adds to that resilience is the organization's ability to do more with less. You, you talked about it earlier in terms of what you're able to do with what you have, um, make that work for you. Um, also, Brian talked about adaptability and the way he uh, described what his organization did in moving away from just one area of focus to now looking at what has changed in the environment, what are the needs. And I think that's all about adaptability of the organization uh, as well as being able to uh, generate some revenue in different ways. Right. And I, I think, Valerie, you bring up such a good point because I'm, I'm for example, here at the Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach, we're going through a strategic process, planning process. And because we don't get a lot of government money, we really are able to be very agile mm-hmm. in terms of how we steer, quote, the ship. Mm-hmm. And I get concerned about those organizations who don't have the opportunity to kind of think outside the box because they're so far in the weeds, meeting all the requirements, doing more with less that um, sometimes these contracts place on the organization. Right. Crossing T's, dotting I's, doing those kinds of things, that it doesn't really free up leadership to even have the dialogues that, for example, here at Secret Harbor, Brian was able to bring to the board. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think adaptability is really an important thing. What a great question, Gwendolyn. Really, thank you, Gwendolyn from Nevada. Um, do you have any other questions? Yes, I have a question from... Um, John in Florida. His question states, I recently started a nonprofit organization to work with youth focusing on developing their leadership and life skills. We have targeted two board members and are interested in recruiting 11 more. What is a good size for a board and what should the board makeup look like? Brian, you seem really qualified to deal with this question. Well, I think think it depends on a lot of different factors. Um, One of the factors is what the the role of your board is going to be, especially in a a new or a a fledgling kind of organization. Um, I would think that um, in starting a new nonprofit um, with a very specific mission like that, um, that it would be really important to um, have some board members from the field, you know, some folks that um, have experience in leadership development and in um, mentoring and, and kind of that side of, um, of what you're doing. Um, also, if, if the nonprofit's going to be successful, there's probably going to have to be some kind of um, either fundraising or just um, really good fiscal management. So having some people on the board, um, bankers, lawyers, investment folks, you know, people from the business community that can can help um, provide some guidance on that side of things um, would be really important too. But you know, the real key, um, and I don't know that there there is an ideal size. Um, my board vacillates, you know, 8 to 10, we'd like to have 12, um, but struggle getting that. But, you know, the real key to a um, successful board of directors for an agency, I think, is is getting folks that, um, that have a passion for the mission of the organization and at the same time are able to um, contribute significantly in some way or another, whether that be um, financially or through skills that they have or through um, being able to be ambassadors for the uh, nonprofit in the community. But, you know, it really needs to be a, a reciprocal relationship between the agency and individual board members that, 
you know, there's contributions to be made, um, and also, um, you know, really passion and the support for what the goals of the organization are. That's great. It's response to John's question. Valerie, would you like to add anything? Um, I, I would just elaborate on something um, Brian was discussing, and he talked about what type of board. And because I've worked with a large number of uh, nonprofits that are starting up, they tend to lean toward structuring the board toward a governance role. And I would uh, say to John that fundraising is a huge responsibility for the organization, and often boards get let off the hook with that. So I would certainly look for individuals who could support that fundraising role and balance the board between governance and fundraising. So uh, just paying attention to that as you uh, look at board members. Mm-hmm. And I, I also sometimes um, know that when we've taken a board member scan, is really trying to see where some of those gaps are. So you may have the folks who are really passionate, those who may be able to bring their expertise. And then also sometimes the gap is those that may have a sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, to try and find, you know, go after very specific kinds of persons or people within the community. That's great. And I hear music, so we're going to take a break. Um, for now, and you're listening to Leadership Matters, I really want to thank Gwendolyn from Nevada and John from Florida for their questions and Valerie for fielding those for us. Um, and you're listening to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions, and we will be right back. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up-close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, this is Jenny Fuma. I'm the co-host of Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And 
And you know it's about informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Today on the phone with us, we have a special guest, uh, Brian Carroll. He is the president and CEO of Secret Harbor um, in Washington State. And also on the phone with us is Valerie Wright, the co-producer from Wright Ideas Unlimited. We've really covered a lot of ground today talking about uh, what's age got to do with it and really just to summarize, we've been talking with Brian um, as the CEO and President of Secret Harbor about what he and his organization has done in terms of really providing some transformation and being traditionally a child welfare organization and now reaching out and providing services to older adults and their families and we've had some great questions um, that Valerie fielded for us in the last segment and um, we want to lead off with one more again Valerie so um, thanks so much Brian and Valerie for being on this line with us okay thank you Jenny okay the question comes from Marvin in California he says our nonprofit is about 12 years old and our budget barely covers the things that are necessary yet there's so much we would like to see change but our finances are such that we're just trying to maintain what we've done so far. How do you become forward-looking and develop a plan for sustainability, even in this current financial state, or can you? I'm happy to lead off with that question and then um, maybe hand it over to one of you. Um, I think that, you know, different organizations bring different kind of talents and different ways of dealing with situations, and so much depends on the environment in which we find ourselves. Um, we are a nonprofit, and uh, we're about $10 million, and we had a president for the past four years who um, was, his message was, whatever it takes, we are going to build our development department, because building a development department in challenging times is absolutely the way to go and the reason for doing that is his message um, is that at the point that the wave breaks you are on top of the wave you're not under the wave <laughs> and that's a strong metaphor but that is one of the things that we over the last two or three years have really been tasked to do and have in fact grown a development department now I know that's not something that many organizations would think that they can do. Um, but I, I think that um, I have seen more and more organizations who are trying to get out of the weeds that way. And maybe, Brian, you could talk a little bit about, as an organization, the kind of thing that you've done is to try and move the organization a little bit um, up the wave or to become part of the crest of the wave as opposed to being under the wave? Well, I think that, um, I think it's a great question for one, and um, I was real tempted to say, no, you can't predict. Um, <laughs> you can't, can't rely on long-term stability, but um, that would just be unjust. I, I, I think it's really important that... Um, that organizations, especially those of us that do a, a big percentage of our business with um, government and with government contracts, um, that we really need to look not only at diversifying our service model, but really diversifying our focus on on just what um, what you can do to make your organization more, especially fiscally sound. And if you think about just the overall notion of of doing that or looking at diversifying it usually means that uh, that you have to have more revenue and you either get more revenue through increasing the um, current work that you do so that um, you've got enough quantity to uh, to support you more or you look at doing some new kind of work that uh, creates a new funding stream or you look at ways to raise the money through grants and, and fundraising and um, our organization right now has a basically a three-pronged strategy to um, to do exactly that and you know on the child welfare side we have a, a initiative to really increase the um, 
foster care, foster parent recruitment that we're doing so that we can provide more services and and uh, have more revenue as as well as growth. Yeah. Um, in the fundraising area, we're really, you know, we've hired a new development, um, but also have a new significant marketing plan for the organization. So really looking to hit that side and, and also looking at the uh, diversification of the service model. So I think... Um, the, the more strategies you have and right. the more prongs that you're trying to approach. Um. And, and it almost seems that one could spend a whole topic or session talking about these kinds of things. Um, before we close, and, and thank you so much, Brian, for responding to uh, Marvin's question from California. Um, Valeria, I want to ask you if you have any response that you'd like to add, and then I want to ask both of you if you have any kind of call-outs or anything that you'd want to share that may be upcoming events with our listening audience. Valerie, did you want to respond to anything? I think that one of the things that we often overlook in terms of looking at financial stability is is the ways to share resources with others and build partnerships uh, in terms of collaboration and other kinds of uh, resources that we can mm-hmm. share with other organizations, other organizations that are doing similar work. Right. Um, and also beef up involvement of volunteers that's often uh, linked to outside sources we normally may not have access to. So That's a really that's, good point. That's you know, beef up that whole involvement. I think get families involved um, in terms of resources and fundraising and using them as a part of the strategy for uh, a long-term stability and sustaining the organization. That's a really, really good point. Thank you so much for that. Um, We're at the end of our show. You've been listening to Leadership Matters, Inspiring Leaders, Um, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Brian, I really want to thank you, Brian Carroll from Secret Harbor, for being on the show with us today. Thank you, Brian. That's been a real treat. And also Valerie from Right Ideas, our co-producer from Right Ideas Unlimited. Thank you both, and please tune in with us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time to Leadership Matters. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.